Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. There's never anything attractive about acting like a jealous child. And I am constantly like a jealous child, but I keep that shit in. That's for the group text. That is not for your ex. Keep it in the group text. Oof, love that. everyone and welcome back to Talking Ship Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Megan Fitzgerald. And I'm Jimena Medina. And for those of you who are new, this is a podcast about relating what happens in fictional TV relationships to what actually happens in our non-fictional lives. Because we're all getting artificially inseminated all the time. <laughs> just happened to me a week ago. And when I went through that, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but this season, we are talking about Jane and Michael from Jane the Virgin and the many themes and many conflicts that come up in their relationship. This is episode two of our Jane and Michael season, and this is a big one. We have a lot to say. We are, of course, going to be talking about the love triangle. I think maybe one of the ultimate TV love triangles between Raphael, Jane, and Michael. And we had, there's going to be some overlap in the timeline from last episode, but we really had to wait to give this topic its own episode because really this is a love triangle in its truest form. It's just, the writing does such a good job of making it like the ultimate love triangle. Right. Because everything's justifiable. You understand every point of view. And it's not like a Pam, Jim, Karen love triangle where, you know, there's an obvious choice and he loves Pam the whole time. And it's not even like a Luke Lorelai Christopher where you can see how she could pick the other guy, but ultimately he's kind of problematic and her heart's not in it. Like this is a true, I'm in love with both people love triangle. And uh, we're here to talk about it. So because, you know, this is a jam-packed show, we are going to uh, kick it off with a summary of where we're at and kind of the part of the plot we will be covering in today's discussion. Take it away, girl. This one is a lot. Okay. Where we left off about halfway through season one, Jane, still a virgin, has broken up with Michael and is now dating rich, sexy hotelier Rafael Solano and carrying his child after an accidental, artificial insemination. As Jane and Raphael's relationship grows deeper and stronger, stronger, (laughs) Michael remains involved in their lives as he continues to investigate the crimes going on at the Marbella Hotel, which I, I can't even really get into all the crimes going on. We'd be here forever. Maybe there should be a true crime podcast, but about the crimes on television instead of the relationships. Oh. That's the spinoff of this. Oh my gosh, you're on to something. Oh, okay. Uh, throughout all this time, Michael is still very much in love with Jane. Raphael eventually proposes to Jane, who says no. And not long after, due to a myriad of reasons, they break up despite Raphael still being in love with her. Michael and Jane's friendship begins to strengthen again. And then Mateo is born and immediately kidnapped from the hospital. And because Sinrostro, who just as a reminder is the crime lord, Rose, 
knows Michael's feelings for Jane, she is able to manipulate him into breaking the law and turning over a microchip she needs. Shortly after this, Mateo is returned, all is well. Jane is truly confronted with the reality of, dun dun dun, the love triangle. She is in love with both of these men and tells them this. However, after giving them both a shot, a magical kiss with Michael makes it clear that this is who she wants to be with. But Raphael has a huge problem, not only because he is obviously incredibly jealous of Michael, but because he believes Michael's job puts Jane and Mateo at risk because Rose is still out there and she can still manipulate Michael. After a fight breaks out between Raphael and Michael that leaves baby Mateo injured, Jane breaks up with Michael and he backs off. Michael spends the next six months not contacting Jane and finishing this in Rostro investigation. Meanwhile, Jane mourns not having Michael in her life and attempts to move on. But through this, she is secure and no longer having feelings for Raphael. However, once Sin Rostro slash Rose is presumed dead, Michael comes back to Jane and tells her... It's over. Rose is dead. What? She can't ever hurt you or Mateo. Understand. I, I couldn't jeopardize your safety again. I had to push you away, but but it's over now. She's gone, and you are safe. And Jane, I love you. I've always loved you. <sighs> Tell me it's not too late. Can we be Facebook friends again? Is an incredible joke. <laughs> the fact that she unfriended him. Oh. I mean. Which is it's like classic move. I get it. I fully get it. It's a healthy choice. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I would be Michael in that situation where I'd be like, really? You unfriended me? Oh, yeah. Because you just went through this. I literally did. <laughs> I don't think, you know what? I, re- I recently realized that somebody who I used to have a thing with muted me. And I know because I used to be I, he would watch all of my Instagram stories right away. And I don't really look into it if you watch my Instagram story because I understand it's an algorithm and sometimes you can't help it. But like uh, he was always within the first 10 watchers of my Instagram story and now he doesn't watch it at all, but he still follows me. And I was like, ooh, that's even a little more sinister. That's so good guy-y that you would mute me and not unfollow me. Because you're like, I don't want to deal with the confrontation of unfollowing you, but I don't want to see your story. So I'm just going to mute you. It's a coward's move. Yeah. I got unfollowed on Instagram. And hey, it's fine. I don't care. And I don't even have the apps that tell you that I was unfollowed. Mm -hmm. I simply was on Instagram and I was like, I have a feeling. But I'm so petty that I was like, okay, great. I unfollow you now. That's where pettiness is acceptable. Pettiness is going to play a huge part in this uh, episode today. And I will say that's acceptable pettiness. Okay. Speaking of pettiness, And all the times we want to be petty, we're going to talk about love triangles and this specific one. We're going to talk about it, but I think we have all been in a love triangle before, but we will say in this next, next segment, relatable content (laughs) that you may be (laughs) in a Michael Jane Raphael love triangle if One person in your love triangle would be incredibly convenient or conventional to end up with. Obviously, in this case, it would be great to end up with Raphael. He's the father of her child. um, But in, you know, in a non-fictional life, it could be uh, the person who lives in the same city as you do, the person your family loves, the person who has the same lifestyle as you. Sometimes I feel like 
we have a feeling of, oh, it would just be great if it was this person because everything would be so much easier. You may be in a Michael Jane Raphael situation if one of the guys you love is highly favored by your family, making it harder for the other one yeah. to come in. And I think that kind of goes into the one that you were just saying. It's just, sometimes it seems impossible. Especially because I love the Rogelio-Michael friendship so much. <laughs> the Rogelio, man. Rogelios. <laughs> that would be tough. But I, I, I do give Rogelio credit for like, he tries to back up off as much as he can. And when when she tells him that she and Michael got back together and he's trying to play it cool, is so cute. <laughs> okay. You may be in a Jane, Michael, Raphael love triangle if one person feels, quote, safe and you're confused about whether that's a good thing or not. Safe mm. gets a bad reputation. We're, I'm going to talk about more about it later. But but I, ha- I had an epiphany about about safety. I'm excited for that. You may be in a Michael Jane Raphael situation if one person you are in love with knows the person you have been while the other person makes you feel like the person you could be. Yeah, that's so true. And I think it goes into the what if, but Mm -hmm. I think Raphael has this ability to make her feel like the person she dreams of being. Mm Mm-hmm. Rather than just being the person she is, I think he lets her dream a little bit. Yeah. And I think he gives her the opportunity to dream and almost not reinvent herself. But I think part of the reason she's so initially attracted to Raphael is he's like, you told me you're a writer. You're a writer, right? And she's like, I haven't said that to anybody else. And that's a powerful thing when that person sees you in that way. You may be in a Jane Michael Raphael love triangle if you'll all be in each other's lives no matter what happens. So no matter what happens, it's going to be awkward. And so that's half of this conversation too, is the fallout of a love triangle and how to live with the decisions in a healthy way. Yeah, that's rough. Mm -hmm. You may be in a Michael Jane Raphael situation if the two people you are in love with are completely different, but they both fit on opposite ends of your type. I think that's the hardest thing because you you wish that they were just that way they would mesh into one. Mm-hmm. And you know that that just can't be. You can't find a person that's so opposite from themselves. Yeah. Well, cuz it's highlighted how different they are when later on when they try to bond and go to the gym. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the writers of the show discovered how funny Brett Deer is like halfway oh through writing and absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, we're about to kill him off. We should give him like a comedy set. It, just to go back to, sorry to deal realist, the point you were trying to make is like, and this goes into my final, you know, thing of relatable content is like neither one of, you might be in a Jane Michael Raphael love t- triangle. If neither one of these people are bad or unhealthy, you truly have deep love for both of them. And you can see yourself with either person. They're just different choices. And I think they, they're both her type. I think they're both good for her. I think it just represents kind of different needs in a relationship is what I, is my developing theory. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Different needs. That is, Mm -hmm. that is it. That's why it's so confusing. That's why it's so hard. And I think that's why people are so opinionated and divided on it. I went down a YouTube comment section on a Jane and Raphael clip yesterday. Oh my God. I did the same thing. You know, that's when I realized that I wasn't fully team Raphael because some people were so team Raphael that I was like, I don't think so. 
Yeah. I was like, I disagree. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's get into today's topic. We're talking love triangles. And again, we wanted to really wait for episode two to cover this love triangle. So uh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about love triangles. <laughs> I think the way that they depict the love triangle, like in the telenovela way, is exactly how I play love triangles in my head. Oh, amazing. Like, do you have full bachelorette Jimena that's like, think about yeah. you got to go on your date, your solo date with this one? Yeah. And I think it's funny because that's kind of what irritated me about Jane a little bit is that I was mm-hmm. like, how does she so freely just test the waters with both? She's like, mm-hmm. this one, and now this one. And I get so annoyed, but I think I would handle it the exact same way. I, yeah. my problem is I love when my friends are in love triangles. I might, I had a friend that just was in a love triangle. Who was she in the love triangle? She was the person in the middle. She's the point. Yeah. yeah she's the Jane. I'm going to call that for the purpose of this conversation. I think the point of the love triangle. Yeah. She was the point of the love triangle. And it was so, I loved giving her advice on that. Even though like, what do I have to give? But like, I loved hearing her talk about them both and being like, like strategizing, being like, okay, so you should try with this person for this long. And then you're not like being mean to the other person. And you know. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I, uh, when I was making this outline and thinking about have I ever been in a love triangle? I was like, no, because I think we think of love triangles as so dramatic, but I, I was thinking about it and I was like, (laughs) I obviously have not been the Jane of a love triangle and had two men willing to raise a child with me at the same time. Like I've rarely had two guys be willing to text consistently (laughs) with me at the same time. So I've definitely not been the Jane, but then I was thinking about it. And with every person that I've dated or had flirtationships with, there's almost always been a third party. Um, not sexually, unfortunately, but <laughs> but involved in the situation. I was thinking about going back as early as high school. You know, I, my first high school boyfriend, I was the girl he ended up with, but there was another girl that he didn't pick. And she probably has her whole own very valid narrative of the situation in which I'm a villain. And that's fair to her. Like in her, from her point of view, in her telenovela, I would be. And, (laughs) but I'm like, I was the girl that was picked. But I think so often I'm the girl that's not picked. And I think about every single time I'm the per, I like don't end up with a crush or a crush is unavailable. That's a love triangle. And I don't think I view it in a classic way because I don't always see or know the other girl. We're not always in the same, you know, workspace or, you know, hotel. But the guy is the point of the love triangle. So he probably felt like an love triangle because he always knew that he had options every single time that I wasn't picked. I'm always, I I mean, I don't want to say always, but I'm often the one not picked. Sometimes it feels less of a love triangle and more like a line where it's like the person that likes me and then I like the person that um, won't like me back. It's just hard to get or whatever or like I want what I can't have. So we all just end up alone. But I think I would still argue it is a try like it's so infrequently just like a straight line from point A to point B. Like when two people get together together. There's, it's so rare that there's nobody else in their life that has feelings for them that they're considering. I think there's almost always a point C 
in the situation. And I think as we like go throughout our romantic lives, we're probably always moving in and out of being different points of many small love triangles. And that's, that's geometry, baby. That's geometry, baby. I can't wait to be the point. But you will be, I'm trying to think if you have, like if, if you have, but you just haven't noticed it. I mean, well, actually, yes, I was 14 years old at summer camp. I had two best friends crushing on me. And every time I'd go over to talk to one, the other one would leave. Like they would just always stay separated. I think nowadays, if I was the point, and you know this about me, but because I am such a like mediator when it Mm -hmm. comes to groups of three, I would get way too overwhelmed. Yeah. And I I would do it like Jane, which sometimes people do it. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet you would do it like Jane, which is kind of yeah. like divide and and try to be as rational about the situation as possible. Yeah. yeah. I hope for everyone that we all get to be the point of a triangle at some point in our romantic lives. I'm sorry it happened so early for you. You really peaked. Ha <laughs> ha It hasn't happened again. I mean, I'll stay tuned. <laughs> So before we talk about the season two part of the love triangle where she really does choose Michael, I think we should briefly talk about why she falls for Raphael back in season one without, you know, totally making this a Jane and Raphael podcast. What do we think? I think he's like that cute guy that you meet freshman year of high school or college that you kind of crush on for all three years. And then comes the fourth year and you're a senior. and he's into you and you Mm. never would have thought. And it's so exciting. And almost like, you're like, wow, I accomplished this. It's like thrilling. You're like, wow. Yeah. And I think that goes back to like representing like the possibility and the what if, and they even have a conversation where she's like, you wouldn't have noticed me in high school. Like I was a lot quieter. And he's like, I can't imagine that. Like Jane herself has gone through a huge glow up in her confidence and her lifestyle and embracing her nerdiness that she didn't have five years ago when she and Raphael first kissed. So the fact that he's now this playboy that she has like captured the heart of. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you're right. It's like intoxicating. And like, as I'm rewatching as much as I am team Michael, I, as we're saying, we're not YouTube commenters. Like we have to admit there, I think there is real chemistry between Raphael and honestly real love too. I don't know about real love. I mean, no, maybe there is real love. I just think it starts off as like more like real lust. Yes. Oh, oh, for sure. And I think part of, you're right, like part of why she falls for him, it isn't all to do with him and himself. It's, I think it's the fantasy and the fate and the romance and this idea of them as a family feeling like destiny. And he even says something where he's like, I'm not someone who believes in fate or destiny, but what are the chances? I mean, we kissed five years ago and now we're here. Doesn't this all kind of feel like meant to be? And if you're Jane, you're a romance writer, this is what you live for. It would be like someone like me who like lives for New York City set rom-coms, like bumping into somebody on the steps of the Met and only to discover later that they're fighting to tear down the very community garden you're trying to save. Literally living out the trope that you dream about all the time. I'm And I'm sure for her, her that's really um that's really tempting yeah and I think she doesn't take lots of risks in her life and this risk has kind of been put into her life she has been artificially inseminated by this Mm -hmm. hot man that she desired it's not something she would have ever chosen she would have probably not even have really looked his way I think she would have looked his way like oh he's so hot but nothing more than that 
And I think it's her being like, wow, maybe I should go for it. Yeah. And that's like, and that's why like, I understand the argument of Michael being a safe choice, which I'll talk about in a little bit. The other thing I think, though, I think in this like idea of somebody stretching your worldview, I had this thought, and I think this is maybe a little less so with like Jane and Raphael specifically, and more so what happens in our non-fictional lives when this happens, but come with me on this journey. <laughs> Jane is still pretty young, and it doesn't seem like she's had a lot of other serious relationships, and she's obviously still never had sex. And I remember, I mean, I think literally that age, like 23, 24, I was in happily in a relationship, not quite as happy as Jane and Michael's, but good enough relationship. And I had my first kind of encounter with somebody that I had really crazy sexual chemistry with who was not my boyfriend. And I think when you're younger and that's a new concept to you and there's someone who sees you in this like sexy light, like we said, like Raphael sees her as a writer and this person in my life saw me as this like super talented actor and everything feels fresh and sexy. And even though when I was in this situation, like it didn't make sense for me to be with this person. I found myself putting a lot of fantasy on what this relationship could be if we were both single. It was the first time that had happened to me. And so it was really intoxicating. But I think when you're older, or at least when you've had more relationships, you get used to just having a vibe with someone without that meaning that you should be together. Like, I think there's just some people you have great chemistry with. And I, I think Raphael and Jane have a little bit more than that. But if someone in my, if someone in my life <laughs> was like, I don't know, I love Michael, but I have this like crazy chemistry with this other guy. I can't stop thinking him. I would be like, yeah, lit- look at him. He's literally the hottest person alive. Obviously you have chemistry with him. And even, even if it wasn't the hottest person alive, I'd be like, yeah, that happens. Like sexual chemistry happens. Do you really want to end your relationship over this? Right. It's just so hard. I think I have such a hard time with that. I really do. I have such a hard time because I don't trust my feelings because sometimes I'm like, I don't know if it's just the chemistry. And that's exactly what she's going through. Yeah. So I, I totally get her for that. Yeah. It's just good because then she she learns from all this. I think without these experiences, she would have maybe gone through these experiences later and been confused, like you said, maybe during their marriage, like with Michael. Yeah. I think mean, things that she needs to that she needed to grow from in order to really know that Michael was it for her. Exactly. And I believe this of like all relationships should go through a big challenge before you get married. And this challenge was especially big, but again, it's a telenovela. <laughs> right. Okay, so let's talk about being the Michael of the love triangle. So let's start with what Michael does not do well and what we can learn from this. Michael doesn't know how to control himself, at least in the beginning around Raphael. Mm -hmm. It's truly like two children. Because I think I would have expected, you would expect a Michael-like character who's a little bit more mature, I think, than Raphael to be more put together and like be like, hey man, this is just the way things were. But he really stoops to Raphael's level sometimes and sometimes goes a little lower in the way that he is quite literally a child. Oh, and yeah. it's like two children being like, sticking their tongues out at each other. Absolutely. He lets the jealousy get really nasty. And you brought this up last episode, but like asking Jane to quit her job so she's not around Raphael as much. And then once they break up, he's convinced Raphael is in Rostro and like practically can, can, like manipulates the case to frame him. And he tries to convince Jane of that as well. Right. 
and, and, and gets involved. And I know there's like this unhealthy kind of sexy part of us that wants to see two people fight over us. <laughs> like I think that's secretly in everyone's fantasies. Um, but the reality is it's never as cute as it is in the fantasy. There's never anything attractive about acting like a jealous child. And I am constantly like a jealous child, a jealous fool. That's my insides. But I keep that shit in. That's for the group text. That is not for your ex. Keep it in the group text. Keep it in the group text. Oh, love that. I was just telling someone, I was like, I'm very jealous. Like my friend was telling me how she was jealous. And she's like, I don't know if I should tell the person that I'm jealous. And I was like, no, no, not right now. No, you tell me. We talk about it. You acknowledge that it's there. And then you realize that it's not really the other person's fault because you guys are fine. You know, I think jealousy is totally normal. And the, and jealousy itself isn't bad. Acting on it, don't do it. So rarely is, is the answer to do it, to do anything about your jealousy besides, you know, blow up the group text, vent to your friend, tell your therapist. <laughs> the other thing I don't like is that... You know, he has, Michael has faith that the Raphael situation will pass. And he ends up telling Jane that he feels this. And he really belittles her when he says, he says something when he's in the hospital about like, whatever this Raphael situation is, like, it's not real. Don't, again, don't say that for several reasons. One, it's not a good look to get what you want. It makes you look petty and immature and desperate. And again, I think we have this like, fantasized idea that it makes us look sexy to be very like, you know, a la Sam Smith, like he'll never love you like I can. Or, you know, to bring it back to my middle school dance days, let's have a real pussycat dolls moment. And uh, don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me, but it's never actually sexy. So when you actually say that out loud, I think nine times out of 10, you look desperate. And so again, keep it in the group chat, sing your pussycat dolls at karaoke, listen to Sam Smith and like walk by your ex and look really hot if you need to cope. But don't say it. Don't say that you're going to regret your choice. I'm the one you want because you, it's not a, it's not a way to get what you want. Their response will always be defensive. Nobody likes to be told that they're wrong. No. And it's very gaslighty. It's gaslighty and it doesn't validate her feelings. Cause that's what I had written as well is I think it's okay to be confident in where you, you are, because I think that it's almost, it's, it's, it's nice for Michael to really believe in them, mm-hmm. but not to be so obnoxious about it where you're like, oh, you don't actually feel this way. You love me. Yeah. Don't tell someone how they feel. You have no right. That's my least favorite thing about people. They, people think it's okay to tell people how they feel or, or what they actually feel. It's like, oh, no, you don't feel this way. You actually just feel this way. It's just, this. no. Let's let people live their lives. Let's let Jane really figure it out. Sometimes I feel like he kind of uses her family as a point to prove that he's better than Raphael. Mm, because he's so close with them. Yeah. And because they love him so much, he, I think, sometimes uses that to his, to his advantage a little bit. Do you, mm-hmm. would you yeah, because I remember there's definitely a scene where, like, he shows up with Rogelio to an event kind of in a, like, fuck you, Raphael way. Yeah, again, there's some petty energy coming out. And he gets better, you know, later on when he removes himself from the situation, he gets more mature. And that's like the arc of Michael. But I think you're totally right in that he like rubs that in Raphael and Jane's face a little bit. 
and Jane, and that's the like I don't care if he rubs it into in Raphael's face. Like I get that a little bit more, but when he rubs it in Jane's face, it makes it makes for a more uncomfortable moment and more mm-hmm. indecisiveness. Yeah, so don't do that. If you're the person that doesn't get chosen, I think anytime you're trying to like rub that in someone's face so obviously, it always makes you look bad. Look good from a distance. All right, but let's talk about what Michael does do well. One of the things that I do admire is we talked a little bit about his confidence. And I think when he's like trying to rub it in James Jane's face, it's not cute. But I think having quiet confidence and a lot of dignity and respect for himself is something that we all have to have in any romantic situation, but especially in a love triangle is like to know your worth. And there's a couple different points where he shows this. At one point early on, he's like, Jane, I love you and I want to be with you, letting his feelings be known. And then he says, but if you have feelings for another guy, I don't think we should be getting married. And then later on, he says something about, I don't want to be your safe option. And that's, that's, you know, that's big dick energy, Michaels. (laughs) And I think we all need to have big dick energy in love triangles no matter how big the love triangle is. And that's self-respect and knowing your worth and being emotionally vulnerable and yet setting boundaries you're not willing to cross. Then of course, this is when we get the little plot line where like Jane tells her mom that it was kind of sexy that he said that and Rogelio like passing it on to him so that Michael yeah. tries to be standoffish, but then yeah, he can't then do horrible. it. <laughs> so cute. He's not willing to compromise the value of their relationship to get Jane back. I feel like he feels if they're going to date again, it's not because he was the second choice. It's not because he was the safe choice. It's because he knows how valuable and special her relationship is. And I don't think he would have gotten back together with her if he had not felt that in return from her. And so that is energy. I think we can all carry into all of our many, many love triangles we're living out here in the world. Similarly to that, I think the confidence is a nice like belief. Like I believe in us. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what you were saying. And also, I think he's patient at times. I, th- I think he doesn't wait, but he has this patience because he believes so strongly in them. Yes. Also, I this goes to kind of like the, the result of him trying to be standoffish when Rogelio tells him that Jane finds it sexy. <laughs> he can't do it. And I think that he remains really honest with her about his feelings, about caring about her feelings. And when he leaves that notebook on her bed, that's like, this is all the things I wanted to say to you over the past few days because I could tell you were really struggling. And I think it it takes a lot of strength to continue to be vulnerable with somebody who has hurt you. But he doesn't let his pride or his fear get in the way of that. And I think that's very impressive. That is so impressive. That is so impressive. I Mm. hadn't fully thought about that, but I'm kind of the person that like lets past experiences really make me a little bit resentful or whatever and mm-hmm. he's the bigger man yeah he's willing which we don't have any plot lines of him being like I don't know Jane it's just hard for me to trust you after you didn't pick me which was normal and you know would be understandable but he doesn't let that get in the way and then the other thing I want to say about what he did well I don't know how to make this one relatable. You know, I hope you all don't have drug lords in your life. But I do think the fact that he realizes Raphael has a point that as long as Rose is still out there and he is a detective, he is putting Jane and Mateo at risk. And so him removing himself from the situation for a full six months 
to make sure that Rose is out of the picture until they can be together. Again, I don't know how to make this relatable, but I think I think it's about continuing to do the hard thing in the right thing, even if it doesn't give you the immediate gratification of winning somebody over. He's playing the long game. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Jimena and I will be right back with our Michael and Jane discussion. We're just going to hear a quick word from one of our sponsors. Take it away, Travis. I have pen fed, that's a fact. I have pen fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's Power Cash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org slash powercash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Okay, so let's talk about Jane being the point of the love triangle. Something um, more unrelatable to me than uh, having a drug lord in my life is being yeah. the point of a love triangle. Um, what does she not do well in this situation where she's trying to choose between these two men? I think sometimes she's a little stubborn. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes she's a little bit like, this is her life, but like she's playing with other people's feelings. And I think sometimes she gets a little bit like, oh, I'm going through this and I'm having the baby and you're going to have to be okay with this person always being in my life, which is true. But I think she does. She, she let like lacks a little bit of empathy, can't really put herself in Michael's shoes and sometimes can't put herself in Raphael's shoes. Mm-hmm. And that is a problem. Like, girl, you are so lucky that they are fighting over you right now. You have choices. They're both great. They both want to raise a child with you. They both want to take you to brunch. Unheard of. I think I've said this before on the podcast, but I don't think you should ever, ever say I'm in love with you both. Even if that's how you feel, don't tell them that. That is the most confusing thing. Could you not? I could never. If somebody told me I'm in love with both of you, I'd be like, well, who do you love more? No matter what the fallout is, I would feel insecure. If I was the one picked, I would be like, well, you love that other person too as of a few days ago so like are you gonna change your mind and if I wasn't picked I'd always I'd hold out hope for way too long because I'd be like you said you loved me (laughs) totally I I would self-sabotage if if someone was like I I love you both and then picked me I would probably try to like incorporate the other person's good qualities into my life and I would become a confused personality (laughs) yeah if you're Michael all of a sudden you're like I'm gonna have an eight pack I'm gonna take the best of Raphael and put it into my own personality where's my protein powder but let's talk about what she does do well and for all you uh, lucky lucky points of a love triangle out there what you can take from Jay and next time you have two people following you around I know I just said that I didn't like how she was stubborn, but I also mm-hmm. think that her stubbornness and willpower is just so admirable. If I had two boys and one of them like turned the other way, I might be like, what? No, love me. And then go to the other one. Yeah, no, I agree. She is deliberate in what she does. And, and she's honest with herself because once she's chosen Michael, she's chosen Michael. Even when he, she tells him she can't be with him and he goes away to try to find Rose during that time. And like Raphael makes it very clear that he would be with her again. She doesn't budge. And other people might've been like, well, Michael's gone. So like, maybe I should just date Raphael, but she's really honest with herself and she's honest with Raphael. 
she knows she doesn't love him anymore and and she sticks to it and, and that's yeah. why when they get together later i do understand it and support it because i think she wouldn't do it unless she really loved him again because she had the opportunity to do it here yeah she's indecisive but so decisive when she makes a decision yeah it take it takes her a while to make a decision but when she does she sticks to it and she doesn't play with their feelings anymore mm-hmm so let's talk about it. The big question. Why do we think she chooses Michael? I need to take a second because okay. like the research I've done for this episode, whatever, it's truly made me such a team Michael. Mm-hmm. He fits into her family. And I think family is such a big part of this show. And I can so relate to like family being so such a big part of my life. The way that his family acts with him like even in the first episode when he's sits down or is it the second i can't remember he sits down for a family meeting oh yeah and it's so cute it's just it feels right it feels like they're both making their jigsaw puzzles i don't know if anybody has seen daniel sloss but makes a great analogy about your life being a jigsaw puzzle and people being like trying to jam pieces that don't fit Mm -hmm. and michael fits I understand why some people are team Michael and some people are people are team Raphael because I think everyone needs something different out of a relationship. And, you know, I think there's a fine line between being with someone who challenges you and being with someone who, as you're saying, doesn't fit. And that could mean not fully seeing you and not fully appreciating you for all that you are. I think that fitting sometimes, I don't think it's like a set thing. So I don't think that Raphael couldn't fit into her family. Totally. I just think that it's like everything people are changing all the time. I think Michael just fits and Raphael could put in the work to fit, but he doesn't really want to as hard. And I think it's just like uh, what she needs at this point in her life is a little bit different because I think with Jane, while like she loves her family, she's very different than them and they love her, but they don't always get her. And she has a best friend who loves her, but doesn't really get her. And Michael, like, not only gets her for all that she is, you know, the list maker, the rule follower, the ambitious, intelligent, goofy, caring, passionate, opinionated person that she is, he not only gets it, he loves her because of those things. And his life is fully made better because of those things. Like, that's the jigsaw puzzle, is that they really do fit for each other. They're not jamming each other in in. <laughs> I mean, they're literally not jamming each other in because they have, aren't having sex. Um, <laughs> it's not just about like knowing her history and like, you know, being able to name drop her high school bully because that would come in time with any relationship. It's not just knowing her. It's all caps, like knowing her and knowing her soul. And and a specific moment that I like love is that he gets her this Angelique Harper book, one of her favorite like romance novelists. And he knows that instead of going to dinner, that what she will want to do is read the first chapter of the book for an hour and then go have dinner because she's so excited to read this book. And that's knowing someone's soul, not just information about them, not just their history. And he doesn't only like tolerate that. He really celebrates that heart for about her and makes space for that. And not everyone else in her life does that. That is something that I have found myself crushing on people or whatever that like my good qualities, but then like certain maybe uh, bad qualities that I have or like more questionable qualities, like being loud or talking about the same things over and over again or being spazzy or whatever, it annoys the person. Mm-hmm. And that can't happen enough. Talk to you about this so many times, but Michael adores her. 
Mm-hmm. Adores her. That is a word. Oh, I want to be adored. He really shows her his belief in them and in her. And the adoration is just, it's magical. Yeah. So I agree. I think it's like the love, the adoration, the celebrating. And the other thing that came up to me, I had a big epiphany about is that Jane does so much caretaking for other people, Mm. her mom, her dad, her grandma. I mean, obviously Mateo and even Raphael, because he's got a lot of damage. She does when they're together, when they're together and when they're not together, she does a lot of caretaking for him. But Michael is the person who truly knows how to take care of her. And I think we see this really beautifully in the Bachelorette episode where, you know, she's trying to let loose or whatever. And she's like, I couldn't really let go until you were around because he makes her feel safe. It's not that it's the safe choice is that he makes her feel safe. And with this safety, she is able to live her fullest life and do all this caretaking for other people because she has him as her support system. And for Jane right now in her life, that's so important. It's true. The safe choice doesn't always have to be the bad choice. I mean, he makes her feel safe. He makes her feel comfortable Mm -hmm. in a good way. He makes her comfortable with her. I don't want to say comfortable with herself because that could come off as like, he needs her to be comfortable, but he really puts her at like an ease. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's why I I think that's maybe why we're team Michael, because we are not like at ease people. No. <laughs> what? No. So she chooses Michael and we'll talk in a little bit, you know, about the moments, the moments that get them back together, the kiss and him coming to her doorstep. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But kind of the second half of the timeline that we're talking about today is once she has chosen Michael and fitting Michael back into her life. And kind of what we want to talk about is how to fit someone in your life when it's a little bit awkward. And there's a million reasons why it might be awkward in a non-fictional way. It could be breaking up and getting back together. It could be that they don't get along with certain people in your life, like Michael and Raphael. It could be that you have a child with somebody else, that you have whole parts of your life that they can't be a part of. And Jane and Michael have all of this. So let's talk about how they do it and how they make it work and, and what we think of this idea of having to fit someone back into your life when it's a little, a little harder. I always have such a hard time with that. When it comes to family, anything I have told my mother, she won't let go of. Oh. If I say something about someone in a negative way or they've hurt me or something, I have to convince my mom that it was just an in-the-moment thing or they've learned or whatever. Because when I get hurt, I guess I just really want to make sure that people know I was hurt by this person. Yeah which is sometimes a little too much. And then I speak, speak, speak. And it's happened with my mom and with my friends where it's just like, they can't come back from it. And so then I create this divide. It, it's it's really hard for me to bring someone back. So now I just keep things to myself or tell them to you, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think, I guess there would be no one in your life that if they came back, I'd be like so unforgiving about it. But like, I get why. His parents are completely unforgiving about it. Totally. But I do think, oh, and this is something he does well, him standing up to his parents for Jane. Whew, that 
got me. Like, I know Justin Baldoni has his abs out for like 50% of this show, but Michael Cordero saying, you will not disrespect Jane in front of me like that, that got me wet. Like, that's, that's especially what you want, especially when you're like, getting back together with someone who fucked you over, like people are going to have opinions. And so you have to really make a case for them to be back. And, and he does. He really does. Obviously something they don't do well, the like big physical fight between the two of them that like hurts Mateo. Obviously, obviously never pick a physical fight in a love triangle. As we've said, it's never the move. Especially because he knows how important it is to Jane to have everybody be peaceful, especially in front of Mateo. So never pick a physical fight and have like an obvious like confrontation, even if you are uncomfortable with somebody being in your life. Don't do that. But I I do think they get better at at least Michael gets better. It takes Raphael more time. It really takes Raphael like truly until Michael's about to die to get on board with Michael. I had this moment that I really think Michael did so well and because we know how petty he can be with Raphael we know how jealous he can be but there's this one point where Raphael comes to pick up Mateo and he's clearly going through something and it's when he's going on like the sex bender where he's just like having lots of sex Mm -hmm. and Jane says did he seem okay and Michael answers yeah uh he seemed normal like he's trying to be nice and then he notices that Jane is upset and he goes but let's talk about it. Oh, wow. It's so important that he just he just really cares about her mm-hmm. and is putting her above himself at that moment. Yes. And I think yes. he does that repeatedly. Michael gets on board with Raphael in enough time because of Jane, because he knows how important it is to her. Mm-hmm. And, and he gets really on board with Mateo in a way that he wasn't so on board with before. And, and what I like is that he has this like real conversation about it where she says something about him being a babysitter and they're like fully together at this point. And he kind of calls it out. He was like, Hey, you called me a babysitter today. And like, it's your call, but I just want to like have a conversation about my role in Mateo's life. And whereas I think other yeah. people in other shows, we get plots where like the step parent role is super pouty and is like, I want to roll in this kid's life. And Michael expresses how he feels, but knows that like, ultimately this is like Jane's call and Jane and Raphael's call. I like how he handles that. Yeah. And I think because he lets that happen, it's almost more, it's almost harder for Raphael. Yeah. Because there's that point where like Mateo calls Michael dad dad, and and Michael didn't like try to get in the way. He didn't overstep. He simply was just like, I love Jane. I love this kid. Just going to be my best around him. Yeah. Yeah, just be your best. Make the other person look petty. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Michelle Obama it. Go high. <laughs> I think in general, when letting someone into your life, it just takes time. Yeah. It's just the thing that like, eventually people will get over the person they were or what they did. And with time, you know, Michael, what I like about Michael is he gets to a point where like, he fully knows Raphael is still in love with Jane. There's a point I want to say in like maybe the third season where Zumara makes a joke of like, you know, Raphael's still in love with you. And Michael's like, oh yeah, he definitely is. Yes. You know, and that's come so far. He's confident in the fact he's like, she chose me and I know that and I feel that and I accept that and I don't need to be petty. And that, again, energy we want to carry that is so hard to do Mm -hmm. I could never after being in like a love triangle be like yeah this person still has feelings for you but I know that we're fine 
that's so no I'd be like I know he still has feelings for you so please don't look at him yeah that would be that'd be really hard for me too but now next time it happens to us we'll try to be the Michael are we ready to break down the scene uh-huh. breaking down the scene this is a new segment so um if anyone has uh, jingle pitches uh let me know this we're gonna wrap up this episode by really breaking down a couple of michael and jade scenes that we really really like because obviously there's so much going there's so many episodes in this show we don't have time to break down everything but there's a few that we love and we wanted to break down break down break down oh, oh i love it <laughs> I wanted to break down their kiss in uh, season okay, two because yeah. it's, it's one of my TV kisses for two reasons. One, I am so cheesy and over the top and I appreciate how hard these writers worked to weave in the fact that there are yodelers in this episode who demanded a paper mache mountain and that's why there's a big button that says snow that they bump into. That's commitment. Um, so I appreciate it for that. And the other thing I like about it is that this kiss comes after this string of episodes that I was telling you I got so frustrated in because Jane is like in full baby mode and she's she's sacrificing her own career and her happiness, doubting if she should go back to grad school, questioning if it's selfish to take any time for herself. And then she has this night where she finally goes out and she goes out with, with Lena and she has fun in the club and she feels like her badass self again and then she writes an essay on the floor of the bathroom while she's pumping like she's being true classic like purest form of herself and she's finally feeling that good again and then the kiss comes out of that the kiss comes out of feeling her best self it's not a kiss that like makes everything better or saves her and like in contrast to earlier in the episode when Raphael kisses her to like kind of prove something the kiss is just the next natural step and it was like the perfect ending of that evening and then he texts her later as his best kiss ever and maybe that's cheesy but I think if there's any guys listening sometimes we want you to um acknowledge when something was really good even if it's just a kiss always acknowledge if sex is really good yes I love a follow-up text. Mm-hmm. I love it. I think, and I do it to my friends all the time. You know this. I'd like leave your house and be like, I love you so much. Had such a great time. Mm-hmm. I just, I really appreciate those. Yeah. The fact that he was like such a great kiss. It's just. Uh, yeah. We need to follow up after kisses more. Okay. Jimena, do you, which scene did you want to break down in detail? What do you want to talk about? They're getting back together. Made me feel things in my soul. The way that they connect the way that they go from topic to topic like they ask each other about the people they dated he's like so did you date anyone she's like oh yeah my professor and he's like what wait and they get into this like really it's just really a friendship mm-hmm. it's just so romantic to me it really it's just that's when I was like oh they're actually soulmates yeah when they stay up you're talking about because they stay up all night on the porch talking really all I'm asking for Mm. is to stay up all night talking and it goes from goofy to serious Mm -hmm. to oh I remember that thing you told me forever ago is that still happening type of thing yeah It's it's like a strengthening moment oh look at what we have we have this built and it's this strong and now we're going to build some more. Yeah, it's like solidifying. And like mm-hmm. we say a million times on this podcast, any big relationship move, moving in together, engagement, having a child, like has to be built on a solid foundation. And I think this scene of them getting back together and how easy it is, is such a testament to how solid their foundation is. 
And I just really would quickly want to talk about their proposal. Yes, go for it. I realized I don't want to go back. I mean, there was a lot of stuff wrong in our relationship. I mean, you weren't being honest about who you were. I wasn't being honest about what I wanted in life. And that's why we broke up. Are you breaking up with me now? <laughs> Never. No. I'm just saying I don't want to go back because we're better now. Yeah. And I want you to know that you are absolutely who I want. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm not either. <sighs> I wasn't going to do this here. Yes. Wait. Yes. Can I ask? Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay, Jane. Sorry. Will you? Yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Will you marry me? Will you marry me? <laughs> Because there have been so many proposals in this series, because we see her propose to Michael, then Raphael proposed to her, this proposal, it's like third time's a charm. You finally get the right reaction from both of them. Yeah. The way I've heard so many from so many people that have gone, well, I don't know that many people that have gotten married, but the people that I have, they're like, I blacked out. Mm-hmm. And that's what this scene really shows. She's just like, yes, yes, yes. And he can't even. He can't even get through the question. <laughs> the question and the fact that it's that he was like I'm, I wasn't gonna do it here and it was because he just really felt mm-hmm. like okay well, I have to do this now I love those type of spontaneous like impulses yeah because it's so real and I love how it kind of subverts the rest of the show because the rest of the show is so big and grand and everything happens in these um over the top ways in this is like in the parking lot and there's no big speeches it's not this like beautiful sunset. It's literally on their knees in a parking lot and they're just so excited. And I, I like that it's in contrast to the rest of the show. And I think, I don't know, that's how I want a proposal to feel for me. I want it to feel that obvious and that giddy. Yeah. I love the fact that she gets down on her knees to just like match him. I just, she gets so excited. And I, that type of visceral reaction is something that I can totally relate to. And I, loved seeing it yeah and that's why right now where I'm at in my life I'm team Michael because I love how truly excited they both are to spend the rest of their lives together yeah they really are soulmates you know they say soulmates come in and out of your life Mm -hmm. but you always learn from them and in this case he came out he went out of her life not because they couldn't have been together but because circumstances oh which we'll get to but next episode we're gonna talk all about when they are together and specifically we're going to talk about their communication because Michael and Shane have some of the best communication of uh, any couple. And then of course we're going to talk about them having sex, but until then you can find us on social media at talking ship podcast. Jimena, do you want to share your socials? My at is at X I M E M E D I. And that's for Instagram. (laughs) Cool. And I'm at onlymegan815. And we will see you next week. Adios. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.